2: This is a crowd podcast. What were the
0: other boxers like in the gym, George? One to two minutes rest. My body probably would have struggled. What's the top tips to prevent that from happening?
2: I like the trap bar deadlift. You could tell when Shane was fit and when Shane wasn't
3: fit. At what point would you say it becomes a habit? Gonna be down to the individual. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club.
2: It's Monday, Deck. We are week two into our six week camp. We're in shreds. If you're in the gym? Hello. If you're on a run? <laughs> hello. If you're going a bit early because you know sleep is important? Also, hello. If you're in the gym right now, you need an
0: extra push or you're out there running or cycling or whatever you're doing, there's a GGBC playlist with your name on it. Go on Spotify. If you need that extra motivation in week two on the socials, we are GG Boxing Club
2: right and if you're doing the three plus one minute challenge right let us know you're getting on we want to know send them screen grabs in get involved like let's see will you be accountable to us right we are trying to run three minutes around 80 uh, percent and then we're going to give ourselves a minute off and then go again
0: if you don't like running or you can't run you can do this any other way you like you can try it swimming or cycling or rowing one of my personal favorites same rules apply though aren't it? three minutes on one minute off just like you're a professional
2: boxer build yourself up as far as you can who knows you might get to 12 rounds don't don't put a ceiling on this challenge (laughs) okay right it's monday yes it is it's week two of shreds officially yes we've got another strength conditioning guest in the club today a brand new one deck it's daryl richards he's here and he's one of the best in the business i cannot wait to get stuck into this one
3: daryl what did you have for breakfast so i had a smoothie for breakfast (laughs) I knew
2: you was
1: going to say yeah.
3: that. <laughs> That's how we know it's proper. Homemade smoothie. It was a homemade smoothie. What are we talking? So it was, there was a few things to be fair. So um, amazing grass, protein, which has greens added to it. Yeah. Um, some coconut milk, a little bit of cinnamon, some cashew butter, banana, and then a scoop of like gluten-free oats and just blend all that together.
0: What we're really getting into here, Daryl, though, is strength training, and it's all part of our, well, it's January, and we want to get fit. The general population attacking this might be hitting it too hard, getting two weeks in and going, I can't do this anymore, my body's falling apart. George doesn't have this problem, though, do you? So
2: I don't do a lot of training, no. No, I'm actually into it, and I brought Daryl in today because Daryl is master of strength conditioning, but he also talks about longevity and how to train safely and, you know, what gets you firing, but um, I'm, no, I'm passing over to Daryl, Daryl, you tell me.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the funny thing is, I, I kind of slipped into that sort of side of things as a strength and conditioning coach because I realized how hard the training camps were. You know, it's I, I couldn't just keep loading these guys up with heavy weights all the time. And, you know, it was, I was seeing that they were breaking down with injuries. You know, you guys train wickedly hard. I mean, you spar hard, you do your heavy, you know, your, your sprints. You do all your circuits and stuff as well. Um, and uh, I know no prisons are taken on them. So I started to realize that, you know, commonalities in terms of breaking down with certain injuries, whether it was like shoulder, knees, low back. So I started to, you know, obviously kept this heavier strength stuff in there to a degree, like maybe 20, 30% of it. But I started to work a little bit more on like, okay, let's try and, you know, work on the uh, prehab type stuff, you know, making sure their shoulders are strong. They've got strong back, strong lower back, hips are strong, single leg strength because of the, the way they fight in the split stance. And, uh, so yeah, I think that was definitely in, in sort of back end of my time in s That's where I, I gravitated towards for, to try and help, you know, cause at the end of the day, you pay to box, not to be in the gym. So anything that I can do to keep you in the ring healthy, I'm doing my job as far as I'm concerned. So that was the approach that I took. What was George like as a, as a client, as an athlete that you were training? I just appreciated anyone that was like, always came to train, didn't moan. It was like, you know, I I always respected with all the fighters that there was going to be those days where they're just like, you know, well, well, I knew they they got a heavy spar tomorrow. Well, Shane would be like, you got they got to do legs tonight but they've got to they got to spar tomorrow so I'd like okay so I'd always kind of just rein things in a little bit but no he always came to train you always understood what was necessary to go you know to go into your camp to get the most out of it and, and put you in the best possible condition on fight night so mm-hmm. uh, I, I never had any complaints working with George. How, how would you define
0: strength training because it's quite a broad vague term that people use a lot how would you as a practitioner
3: actually define the strength training in that term? Well that is a, it's a great question and really it comes down to who 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 we're talking about. Now if we're talking about an athlete that needs to be strong, so you know a boxer for example having a good strength to weight ratio is going to be great because it's a weight related sport, you know, lifting heavy weights is going to be a benefit to that person, but if you're talking about someone that's maybe, you know, 70 years old had a hip replacement <laughs> tiny little weights maybe just sort of machine-based training, you know, maybe using bands and things like that. It's the other end of the spectrum. So it's a a really broad spectrum. You know, you've got all the heavy weights on this side and then you've got the kind of like the the, the rehabby type stuff, but it's all, it is all strength training at the end of the day. It's just, like I said, the, the loads are different depending on who you're working with, what their goal is. I'll be doing a strength session
2: with Daryl where it's purely like three to five rep maximal stuff. So you need to have the significant rest in between them sets. You might only do four sets, four to six reps, and then you're having three plus minutes rest in between. You go to the gym and now, and I want you want a workout in an, in an hour and you want sort of a bit more bang for your buck. So you, I'll you lift um, smaller weights so that I can decrease the the rest
3: periods in between. If you're doing like three to five reps... That's not burning a lot of calories, is it? No but it's still you're still gonna have a metabolic effect from training i mean look, at the end of the day they're not bodybuilders so you, you know you're doing 10 to 12 rep max which is the more hypertrophy quote-unquote type rep ranges it's going to be useless for someone like george because he doesn't want to put muscle on he's so it's about getting strong but yeah but not adding muscle and also maintaining strength because they're shifting weight you know uh, and that's the the thing you know if if i can say you know i'm training george for a 12-week camp if i can maintain his strength levels from beginning of the camp to the end of the camp when he's maybe dropped 10 kilos or say then that's a great strength increase in terms of his relative strength you know strength to weight uh, ratio should
2: everyone be doing a bit of strength training would you say daryl
3: the way you got to look at it is that you know muscles protect your joints protect your skeletal system so the stronger your muscles are and the, m- and the more conditioned they are the more it protects your, your joints and that is in itself for longevity now of course depending on who you are how old you are in your injury history you may not be needing to lift heavy stuff you know you may need to be doing lighter stuff and, and more you know know machine-based training and stuff like that but um but yeah everyone could benefit from strength training
0: a lot of people do hit it hard in january new year new you and you go in the gym and you hammer it for a week or two and then you fall off you burn out what's the top tips to prevent that from happening
3: so i think it's about being realistic about what you can handle because like you said everyone's like they go from doing nothing to doing right i've put on too much weight i've indulged too much over christmas i'm going to train five days a week but they never realize they've got a stressful family life, they've got a stressful job. And they they burn out or get injured after two or three weeks or they get sick because they can't, you know, they they can't possibly keep that regime up. So I always say to people, like, what's the kind of the least amount you can hit? If you, like, for example, if you've gone from doing nothing, you say, right, I'm going to train twice a week. That's still twice a week that you wouldn't have done ordinarily. Anything else on top of that is a bonus. So, you know what I mean? So just be realistic about what you can achieve. You know and make sure that it's congruent with your lifestyle you know like i said if you if you've got a stressful job stressful family life and you're you're sleeping four or five hours a night you have to understand that you, you, your body can only tolerate so much and of course if you're over 40 years old again you you can't recover the same way so gotta be realistic and if, if you could be realistic then you can plan something that's going to be you know have longevity for you now we got our little
2: challenge which we've, we've alluded to already and it's up and running now so we are quite literally Yes. So we set running, but it's up to the listener what they want to do. But the parameters of it, we're going to make it boxing specific. We're doing three minutes on, one minute off, and then we're going to aim for four rounds as such. And then if you can do more, you can do more. I chose running because that's how boxers do. They do their running. They have to run. But they might be on the bike. They might be in the pool. They might be doing something else. And the running, maybe it might be on the track. It might be on the road. It might be on the treadmill, whatever it needs to be if someone wants to get start this new year now where we're at and they want to get fit last year or the year before we've had 5k challenges and stuff like that but this is our one where it's three minutes on a minute rest i still love the minute rest deck in all the training we did that minute just gives you a, a mental break at some point so when it's getting really hard or really grueling or just maybe even boring you know well in 30 seconds time or a minute's time i'm gonna have a little rest and i'll go again
3: you can kind of Dive into that a little bit more depending on how fit somebody is. Like, like we used to do, like, sort of have that three minutes, but have it as a sort of interval. So it could be like 30 on, 30 off for three minutes, and then a, just a minute complete rest. You know, if someone's fairly deconditioned, they could just do like 30 seconds jog, 30 second walk for three minutes, minute re- recovery. And if someone's fitter, you could do like, yeah, 15 on, 15 off. Within that three minutes, you can play around with stuff depending on how fit or unfit somebody is. Mm. Let's talk about the time that you spent with
0: Daryl. So, Shane McGuigan sort of camp back end of your career, really. Like how much were you lifting? What was your strength? How did the strength sessions look during that phase of your career?
2: So we used to do two sessions a week, me and Daryl. And and we used to split uh, one upper body, one lower body. That suited me for where I was in my career because other sessions took precedent, and my body probably would have struggled if I did what I was doing earlier in my career, which was a full body session twice a week. It depends on the phase of camp, but you might be doing some big compound lifts because you're trying to get some strength at the start of camp earlier on when you're younger and i think when you're fresher and you may maybe not doing as many punching sessions or the punching sessions are not as intense or you're not training for a 12 round fight so the sessions could be shorter you can get away with putting more in, really, in, in the strength setup. You start getting closer to the fight, Daryl, you'll do uh,
3: like more power stuff. What constitutes as
0: more power stuff? When George says that, what does that mean?
3: Well, it's a, it just means faster stuff. So like, could be med, med- ball slams, jumps, broad jumps, anything that's... you know th- The heavy lifting is... Obviously, the intent is to be fast, but you're lifting heavy stuff, whereas the actual power stuff is more like body weight, like it could be jumps, like you said, it could be ball throws, stuff that is actually explosive and fast. So that's, you know, and then we would gradually kind of just start to bring that in middle of the camp and then towards the end of the camp, it would almost be like primarily that with some strength stuff. But as George said, you know, the first two, three weeks of the camp might actually... We did do full body stuff just because mm. it's bigger caloric expenditure, you know, when they first come into camp, you know, sh- you know, burning some calories quickly, get the weight coming down, and then two or three weeks then we'd go to sort of upper body, lower body, and then maybe a, a couple of blocks where we would do strength work, where it would be like down to sort of five reps or so. Mm. And then I used to quite like leading into sort of like the, the, the last phase before the fight, I used to like sort of the contrast train where we would do like maybe on leg day, it could be like a trap bar deadlift, something heavy for three or four reps. You know, a minute off and then some t- some type of jump so you potentiate the nervous system with something heavy and then something fast and explosive and because uh, i just felt that even though you're kind of like tapering down you still need to maintain that strength mm. that tended to work quite well and i kind of stuck with that for the most part like you say that potentiating the body with something heavy
0: and then contrasting that almost instantly with something light and fast what does that do for
3: how does that translate to george as a boxer and what he's trying to achieve in the end Say you're doing like a broad jump, you try and jump as far forward as you can. There's a degree of specificity to that, to him lunging forward and trying to throw a right hand to knock someone's, you know, into the back end of the, you know, back next, end of the next ring. week. But yeah, so to go back to, not to go too sciencey, but when you lift something heavy, you're, you're tapping into the nervous system uh, and you're stimulating like fast twitch fibers. When you do something light and fast, because you're potentiated, it will feel lighter. So yep. you can actually express more of of what you have in in, in explosive sense. So that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I reckon I know the answer
0: to this, George. Did you prefer upper or lower day more? Uh,
2: lower.
3: Did you? i better better strength
2: ratios lower than upper body. I wasn't that cliche, yeah, skip leg day guy. Yeah. No, no, no. And I used to really like them sort of sessions that Dale was talking about, where you do a heavy, a heavy lift, and then something really explosive after. Because you, I genuinely feel like I could feel the difference, like there to there. It's like you, you've done a really heavy trap bar deadlift, and then you've got to do a really explosive jump. You woke everything up in your body with that heavy lift, which is hard to do otherwise. Without a heavy lift. And then from there, you can do something that's really satisfying, like jump high <laughs> <laughs> or jump far, you know, or jump on the ring apron or jump on, a you know, the plyometric boxes or something like that. And with Dow we used to do a lot of split. What's it called, Daryl, where it's one side the other side? Yeah,
3: like split squats and things like that. So so just some lower body exercises in a split stance because for me it made sense because they fight in a split stance. You don't fight with both feet together. You fight, you know, depending on whether you're orthodox or southpaw, you fight with a particular stance. So it makes sense to train that. And also as well, like to have strong legs because you've got to take potentially take a shot to the head, shot to the chin. So the stronger your legs are in that position, the, the better you can give someone, you know, the opportunity to take those punches or take that force. Now, non-boxers,
0: Daryl and George, actually, they sometimes can be all over the place a bit with their strength training. They might be new to it and they might be kind of, don't know where to start, don't know exactly where to go. At what point would you say it becomes a habit and, and how long do you need to stick at something on a strength sort of plan or strength basis to, to really see any results, you think?
3: Um, again, that's going to be down to the individual, but you should, I, I think, yeah, making it habit first. So I think I think around about sort of four weeks, you should start to sort of see, you know, um, that you're A, getting stronger. You know, you might see your body shape changing, providing that your diet is reflecting what you're trying to achieve, uh, whether that's to put on muscle or, or drop body fat. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough question because it is going to be different for some yeah. people. It's not the answer everyone wants to hear, but it's never like a linear, you know, you probably saw that, you'd be like, you you weight, you know, you train wickedly hard, but you're like, Mm. oh, it's not gone down, all of a sudden you'll drop two kilos, oh, it just gives you that, Mm. okay, this is going in the right direction, but it's never just a nice linear, it'd be great if it was, but (laughs) it's not always the case.
0: How quickly, George, were you um, seeing those
2: changes in a camp? I used to have like a three-day turnaround where, like, if I did if I did a, a circuit, so this was maybe like a little bit aerobic, anaerobic, something, not necessarily directly strength, because you know they're making strength gains. Like at the top end, is you know you might you might just plateau. Do you know what I mean? But if I did like a, a hard run or a circuit, um, it'd take three days to feel the benefit. So you'd be shattered, and you might only get to round three, and then you really want to quit and give up on this circuit. You did the same circuit. Three days later as long as you completed the circuit and pushed it hard for the you know the, the bit where you wanted to quit the the quitting phase comes on much later and that's really satisfying like when you're in camp because you're like you can directly see correlation between one session and another and how fit fit you are if you went in the next day like literally did it on a monday Wednesday, and tuesday you don't have the effects of the session before but you went in monday if you went in again on thursday yeah you you would feel it and sometimes The short, sharp sessions, like the sprint sessions, they'd be the ones that you could really sort of notice a a difference in, but that might be when it's more, less strength, more conditioning, Daryl, I'm not sure.
3: What's the difference? Slightly arbitrary, the the history behind how it became strength and conditioning. They just, I don't know, it was like a a conference one day and they just kind of went, oh yeah, strength and conditioning. It just, that was the term they gave it. To be honest with you, I called myself more of a strength coach because my stuff was more in the gym. Um, I know Shane used to take a lot of the circuits because he liked taking them to Mm. punish these poor (laughs) these poor individuals. But um, I think what a great thing about strength and conditioning was it does it provides an opportunity you know to work on specific stuff that you won't get from the other aspects of training you know sparring, running circuits you know and, and again the things that common injury sites are things like shoulders you know low back could be knees. So if you can throw in that stuff and use that sessions to work on that, then you know it's it's time well spent picking up weights is rewarding in some way you know and even when you're getting down to
2: the specifics of the smaller muscle groups and that I used to do a lot of um the shoulder works with me and other little work in the smaller muscle muscle groups but I loved it all the same you know and um, yeah I wouldn't be doing it before as a warm-up for sparring because that feels like it's boring but when it was like you do it during this session is part of your strength session i used to really enjoy it because it's, it's quite fascinating really when you realize here's an exercise that will stimulate this muscle group that you need for this part of your boxing what do you think are the best exercises that boxers do or should be doing
3: I do like split squats just because again, I like the specificity of it towards fighting. So these split squats where the knee's going over the toe or are you just going up and down? There's different ways you can do a split squat. You can just kind of have somebody in a split stance and just, yeah, go straight up and down. I don't mind a little bit of traveling forward. You know, with that front knee, you can go over the toe Mm -hmm. a little bit. If they've got the the ankle range of motion to get there, that's fine. I like the trap bar deadlift. Because there is a a, you know a need to kind of lift something heavy for that total body strength and for me it's the safer i would rather have somebody lifting a trap bar than doing a heavy deadlift or a barbell back squat you can easily modify it put it up on blocks you know depending on what their range of motion is like to make it safe for them. Uh, so for me, a, you know, we did it with you. Yeah. So yeah, for lower body, I like that. I quite like the floor press. So
0: floor press for those who don't know, you're on your back on the floor. Yeah. As opposed to being on a bench where your elbows can go sort of
3: beyond your chest and back. Why is the floor press good for boxers? You reckon? For me, it takes a bit of the sting off the shoulders because you're not going all the way down. You know, and I like the fact that you get to a bit of a dead stop, and then they have to like generate force off the floor, which again I quite like from the terms of the fact that you know throwing a punch. I mean, like, it's not totally specific, but it's that was a kind of the, the approach, the mindset I had behind it. But to just safety. It's, you know, if, if I can have it, use a safer variation and still get a decent you know, response for, for, for them, then I will always go for that for safety.
2: Is that more tricep? When it's, I mean, you are because your triceps are on the floor now, is it
3: using triceps more than shoulders? Well, that comes down to hand position. Now we're going to get into biomechanics. Let's go. We love it. Come up. So on. for example, now with that kind of grip there, okay, so the hand so palm is here. Palm facing, that palm's parallel with the shoulder. Yeah. 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 So wrist in front of the elbow. So if you've got your hands out wider, then you, you've actually created more distance from the hand there to the pec, so you're going to get some pec involvement. Now, obviously, Obviously if you bring your hands a little bit closer together, now of course you could you actually reduce the moment arms of the chest, but you've got the, the weight going straight through the arms and the shoulders. So now you're going to get with a closer grip, you're going to get a little bit more direct tricep and shoulder and less chest. Does that make sense? Yes. How important is leg strength to punch power? Yeah, I, th- I think it's important. Um, now I, I do, admittedly, buy into the, the sort of the notion that. Punches are, uh, a lot of punches are born like I'm sure before jaws lifted any weights you could still punch hard it's that transfer of, of you know transfer of force from your lower extremities to your upper extremities so if you've got that you know that strength and power in your legs yeah you, you, you're potentially creating the opportunity to, to create more power in your upper body
2: it's your glutes and hamstrings that's the force going forward so if you was going to if you was going to get in the starting blocks in a 100 meter race it's not really your quads that are going to get you out of the blocks it's like your hamstring and your glutes if you want to push back away from from the guy and generate power going away from your opponent it's your quads that are springing you back whereas it's your hamstring and glutes that are pushing you forward and everyone's got the potential to punch much harder than than they currently do we we're talking there about the floor press where your shoulders are there so Daryl, if you're doing that with a bar you can't really get much shoulder rotation into it can you whereas maybe with a dumbbell then you've got that sort of that shoulder rotation
0: Daryl, i know i kind of know what you're going to say and you're going to say it's Depends on the person, but we're going <laughs> to have listeners who are going, right, I'm going to get in the gym. Okay. I oh, know I need to do some strength training. Couple of little basics, bit of housekeeping. First one, ballpark, what sort of length are we talking per session?
3: What ideal length of a sort of strength training session? Where should people land? I like to think that, you know, I think if you're, again, if you're deconditioned, 30 to 45 minutes is a, is a good time to be in the gym. Um, I think everyone has this sort of um, ideological sort of like, it's got to be an hour. It's like, well, it doesn't. If you train really hard and you're done in 40 minutes, get out of the gym and, and rest. But yeah, I think at least 30 to 45 minutes, but yeah, no longer than an hour. Um, you know, And if you're fit and conditioned, then yeah, of course, train for an hour. But just don't, you know, I, I think, I, I tend to think more in terms of how many sets and how many exercises are you doing. I think somewhere between four and six exercises. And really like, As a ballpark figure, 10 to 15 proper hard work sets is normally enough for most people. I'd say even 10 for some. So, yeah, most people will probably get that in around 45 minutes, providing they're not, you know, on their phone and, uh, you know, taking a selfie. and um, (laughs) Tweeting about
1: it. Yeah, don't get me started on...
3: (laughs) They give me started on that. So we're getting into nuts and bolts
0: here. So ideal length, we're talking thirty to forty-five minutes, and you reckon about a total of ten working sets. Yeah, across 10, ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen across three to four exercises.
2: Yeah, four to, four to six. Four to six. Okay, lovely. Should we split these exercises upper body, lower body, then, or should we pair them off? Should we You're do that the, boss, like the right? first half, first four to five upper body, and then go lower body?
0: Yeah. How's your best way to to do it then? You you think do you do a whole body in a session because you said you did both with George, depending on the stage of the camp. Yeah. What do you like? Whole body in one session, or a body part, or a you know muscle group in a session?
3: Again, if it, if 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 someone's training for more body composition, like to to drop body fat, then ideally, and I'm just talking about for the normal yeah. p- individual, then yeah, I prefer full body because again, just bigger caloric expenditure if for most people, if they want to actually, you know, put a bit more muscle on, perhaps, then I I tend I err more towards upper body and lower body. So that's kind of how I tend to for the most part work. And rest periods? What are we talking? So for our challenge we're talking three minutes on, one minute off. In
0: that sort of broad structure you've given us there, what are we talking rest periods?
3: Yeah. So if you're if you're kind of doing the sort of the standard kind of 10 to 12 reps then i would normally sort of yeah one to two minutes rest however if you're doing exercise pairing so for example like you may do say you're doing an upper body session you're doing what I'm doing you're doing a dumbbell press and then you're going to do a single arm dumbbell row then i would bring that rest period down So just maybe 60 seconds. So set dumbbell presses, rest 60 seconds, dumbbell row, rest until you go back and forth until you've done your three or four sets, whatever it is you're planning to do. That's a great way of fitting more stuff in less time, making it time efficient. You know, whereas if you're doing straight sets, you're gonna get a massive drop-off. So you may wanna have slightly longer rest, more like 90 seconds, maybe two minutes.
0: What were the other boxes like in the gym, George? Throughout your career, in terms of SNC, were people like it or were people moaning?
2: I'm not sure because last time you did the SNC on, we did the strength sessions on your own. Mm. You know, the conditioning ones you'd all you'd all jam in together and do the circuits together. Sometimes you go to the track and do the track together, or we you go out for a little run. So I'm thinking back when we was at Change Gym, you could tell when Shane was fit and when Shane wasn't fit. If he was fit, then it was like long runs, like because he was. I think he's like he's a pretty natural runner. But if he wasn't fit, there was a set, there was a period where I was, where he wasn't so fit. And you'd shy away from them long runs a little bit. Any good moaners? If you, to be honest, mate, if you can't think yeah. of the Mona, you you were the Mona. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. No, I, I was stoic. I showed no emotion. So, like, um, yeah, I'll be doing the circuit, and as long as I'd, I'd sit on everyone's shoulder and then just save for the last round and then go all in last round, because you'd, be, you'd be keeping score. Like, we used to have a curved treadmill. So, it'd be f- say we are be doing 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and then you're going round six exercises. So, each person's going to go on there once and you can see what their score is and whether it be... I can't remember how they calculated the time or the distance, or was it just something else? But so you got like seventeen or one point eight or whatever it was. We're like, okay, you don't want to go first because you don't want to set the set the bar, and everyone that's just they just know they got to achieve it. So you want to kind of finish finish on the curve, maybe. But you're a bit more tired because you've done the whole other exercise. So it was a lot of a lot of mastery involved there. I'll tell you that. But yeah, I'd always save it for the last round, just smash them all up on the last round, and finish on top. So there was a period where I was training on my own for a while. I was training with uh, Paddy Fitzpatrick so. so you were the only boxer at that point in that gym So you yeah were, sometimes he would bring in some of his amateur lads who just Luke turn yeah so Luke would be in and that but a lot of the time I was training on my own I, d- I just find it quite exhausting sitting in the gym and, and watching the other guys train I mean, you're in the gym all day every day though so I don't know do you, when did you get your training in did you get it in first thing I, I always try to get it in first thing mm. I agree is there any
0: science behind, behind when you should train because that's always a question isn't it but is it more just about where, when you like it when you can fit it in
3: there is some merit I know that like testing Testosterone levels will be, I believe, a slightly higher in the morning. So some people, you know, I I gotta I admit, like I do prefer training in the morning. It just works best. I'm a morning person. Like I can get up, you know, I'm a sort of a five a.m. up person. So for me, I enjoy training in the morning. But some people are night owls. So they they're their best six seven o'clock in the evening. So it, it, there is a bit of an individual element to that as well. But personally, for most people, I think if you can morning time's gonna be a little bit better. I think from a habit perspective as well you feel good once you've trained you go oh great that's that out of the way i can attack the rest of the day and mm. um, feel good about myself
2: how about you Doug? when do you train
3: i think i prefer the mornings problem is when it gets late you start making excuses don't you Start
0: thinking <laughs> uh, i'm looking at the time thinking now i'm not going to be able to sleep properly otherwise and you're right you get it done in the morning it's a box yeah. ticked and you can just get on with it then you feel better for the rest of the day
2: You've yeah. already done forty-five minutes on the line bike. Yeah, I've done. Th- <laughs> You've done. Done your <laughs> done seven
0: seven laps of Hyde Park.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but actually, do you know? There's another one that got me thinking there when you said about you were training on your own. Now, especially as someone who clearly doesn't like it when people hang around in the sets checking Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. What about training with someone else, training partners? Are they good for you or do they just distract you when you should be getting in the zone and, and training? I reckon I know what your first line is gonna be here, yeah? but you can say
3: it. I'm not gonna say <laughs> it. I'm not gonna say it. I think if you're aligned with somebody, then it can be really, really good. Um, you know, I, I, I do agree with you. There's a there's a it, it's nice to have that kind of competitive side of it, you know, because some you know, you naturally will put a little bit extra in. I don't care who you are and how hard you think you train by yourself. You will always train a little bit harder if you've got somebody there with you. Um, and I think if they're at the same sort of level and you've got the same sort of goal, then I think that's great. That being said, I think you should be able to motivate yourself. It's good to, to develop the the skill of motivating yourself to train. Like, But no, I, I'm, I'm all for training with people. Um, but it can be infuriating if you're training with someone that's you know constantly annoying. Come yeah. to the gym late, you know, cause I look, I, you know, if you're the sort of person that's there like 10 minutes early and they're always like 10 minutes late, you know? And, uh, yeah. So as long as you're kind of aligned with a lot of stuff, then yeah, I think it works really well. Daryl, what's your fav? what's your favorite thing
2: to do in the gym? What's your favorite exercise? What's your favorite bit of
3: kit? Not necessarily for your fighters, but for you as I'm sort of unfortunately not 25 anymore so I've kind of I've kind of moved away from the heavy squats and the 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 deadlifts or heavy for for me anyway I, I I really enjoy like for leg training I really enjoy the uh there's a machine called uh, the glute drives it's like a hip thrust kind of machine you can't make eye contact with anyone when you're on there. no 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 <laughs> definitely can't and the, the the gym that i train it's facing the wall which is great <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. i could just you know i've seen that one it's got flowers on it, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> for me like i've had you know because i've had back problems so for me the stronger my posterior chain is and, and glutes and hips are for me i it tends to you know keep me moving better so um but I, I gravitated a lot more to you know towards machines like you know i like a good leg leg extension leg curl mm. as well you know certain leg presses yeah I, i'm exploring a lot of different things at the moment i used to be a very very heavy sort of free weight uh you know you, you've always got to do chins and dumbbell presses and squats and you know I, I still do those but but less so i don't you know i'm not married to any particular exercise anymore. So I like to explore a lot of different stuff in the gym these days.
2: Have you noticed any bits of kit in the gym that is getting
3: neglected when actually it's a really good bit of kit that people are overlooking? I think we even we had this conversation a huge fan of the the hip adductor machine so oh, i know that one when you sit there so also flowery that <laughs> yeah, one. I don't like start that.
0: looking at anyone on that either
3: i do you know what though like especially for a boxer strong adductors i mean just for anyone like you know if, you, if you've got you know strong adductors it's going to strong hips going to help your you know stability through your lower body uh but, but transferring force from your lower extremities your upper extremities these muscles need. They're huge muscles inside your thigh, like, they're and they're really important. So, I, I would have loved if I could, you know, if I did my time again in boxing, like, I would have loved to have had access to loads of different, mm. you know, I will, it's something I ponder sometimes. Like, oh, you know, if I could go back and do it again, like what i would do differently and you know the equipment i'd love to have and you know so yeah the adductor machine is one of them i'm one of the tangent there but
2: i am incredibly weak on that machine <laughs> i mean
3: I, I i do i do jump on it when else would in, do you
2: use it in your in everyday the, life really your adductors no but like so in boxing it is your breaking muscles so if you're gonna punch through the target with the right hand right you need something to stop you dragging your leg through and crossing your legs right it's the adductors, the inner thigh. They're the breaking muscle. They're the ones that they've got to be super strong to stop, your, stop you losing your your back leg. And the same when you're punching from your left side, that's the breaking muscle to keep your feet engaged in the floor. Because as soon as your feet are up and about, then obviously you're losing your foundation, you're losing all your power. So um, they're vitally important.
0: Those machines feel like they're parodied slightly. I mean, I just have, but they are that one, the adductor and the abductor one, with the ones where your legs are open or they're closed. They are sort of seen, that you know. Really- oh,
3: totally. Like, you know, I remember when I first started to to use them, and I used to actually use the adductor machine before I'd go in and do some squats after. It was a night and day difference between how I would squat before and after. Really? I just felt so much better. Top tip. Mm-hmm. Because it's that in a squat, it's these muscles that actually help drive you out of that bottom position. And I just found that once these were engaged and switched on and potentiated, my I was much stronger or I felt more stable when I was squatting. You know, yeah, I've got a few looks from. Some of the guys are like, "What is this lad doing?" Yeah, but, enough, they were, but they were—they—they
2: were. Their jaws dropped when he was squatting three hundred <laughs> no, no, kilo, weren't they?
3: And they went back to their <laughs> coffee crush. Yeah, De- definitely wasn't squatting them kind of weights. Anyone that knows me <laughs> will know that. So I'm not even going to try and lie. What about Daryl? Press ups, sit ups, things like that
0: still have a role to play do you think and do you think when when our listeners or whoever is outside of their two sessions or their gym their strength sessions that sort of stuff at home is it because we see it a lot with boxers don't we we certainly did a lot of it in lockdown and whatnot still a role to play
3: definitely um I, you know there's there's so many different variations of uh you know push-ups and floor-based ab and core exercise that you can do that you can definitely do it there's a lot you can do with, with minimal equipment um and I, I really got back into that kind of training as had no choice during the lockdown when there were no gyms open so uh yeah there's never really an excuse it's just again if you can motivate yourself to train at home then yeah there's a lot you can do
2: Dick, you're in the boxing gym and they don't have all the equipment don't have the money for it and even if they did they wouldn't have 30. 30- abductor machines and adductor machines that you could all jump on and do your circuit with so the old spit and sawdust exercises you know they are good for you really good for you and when you get older you can branch out into some real clever stuff with Daryl
0: Daniel Dubois claims that he once broke the world record for press ups when he was
2: eight and now look at him. Well you say he claimed have you not verified it? Has Mate, it I remember when
0: he told me this in in an interview and I obviously scoured everything I could find that might have Daniel Dubois the record holder for press there's obviously no record of it whatsoever. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just believing it. <laughs> but he told the BBC as well. Yeah, so we're not I we can keep it we can keep it on it. I mean it's not incredible yeah. in any way. <laughs> I believe him personally
2: I do as well did he give you a number can you remember the number like thousands it
0: was like for 8 hours long or something like that oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we get him in here when we get
2: him in the club we'll have to just get him to do press ups you why, could have yeah. a challenge against him that's why he hits so hard Dazzle's right into his music. Yeah, well. I think and this could yeah, be good. This is it. So what we do is we asked our guests each week to come up with a song that would be for you maybe a hypothetical ring walk. I don't know if you've already had a secret white collar fight somewhere. Or your gym banger.
0: Your go-to song when you're in the gym, you've got one more set left, and you're like, Yeah, I need this. I need a big I need a push here. What are you going for? Uh,
3: there's a few, but the one that jumps out at me straight away is a song called McFearless by Kings of Leon. Yes. That's a banger. I used to, be a, used to play the drum, so it's got a great drumming intro. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. that straight in. Have r- we got any Kings of Leon on there?
2: No, but not many. No, they're, they're and there e- yeah. easily
3: can be many. They're underrepresented on that playlist until now.
2: What are you up to these days, Daryl? Is anything you need to tell us about? Where can we find more inf- information on you? What are you plugging in? Have you got anything?
3: On Instagram, at DBR Training? I'm still work in in the in the London area but yeah, more now with the sort of the 40 plus population is my niche these days. Well, I'll be in there soon. <laughs> <It's got laughs> yeah, enough, I'm
1: nearly there. A
2: few, six years to go and I'll, I'll
1: be i a spot your, for you. Yes, please <laughs> do, mate.
2: Have you
0: started a line of your own adductor machines yet? <laughs> no. Because I, I can foresee queues at all adductor machines in every gym up and down the country. Now.
2: Yes. And if you get in early, you're going to get massive strength gains and then battle your mates and you'll be top of the pile. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great show. Mighty adductors.
0: <laughs> Cheers, Daryl.
2: <laughs> Lovely Daryl.
0: and if you want more from us go and follow at GG Boxing Club on Instagram and Twitter
2: what'd you make of that episode then Deck? that one was weighty he's still pumped for this shred. i'm so pumped literally yes yeah no it was really good that was uh, he's a good a really good soul very knowledgeable i'm so happy to have him mm. in the club
0: if you haven't already as well you've got to go and check out shreds week one which was with ben Caraway as well uh if you like that one with daryl you'll love that one too
2: but we are back as usual deck on wednesday and we're gonna have another brilliant guest in
0: and if you're listening on apple you can get the GGBC ad free by subscribing to the Crowd Sports channel. If you're listening on Spotify, check out our playlist and the GGBC is also available ad free these days on Amazon Music. Boom! Boom! See you next week, Georgie Boy. See you next
2: week on the Shreds.